Welcome. I'm so glad you can be with us. Today is March 25th, 2020, and we are continuing our journey through the book of Hebrews. Today's lesson is titled, I Have Come to Do Your Will, and we are reading Hebrews 10, verses 1 through 18. Before we get started, there are two key phrases in this part of Hebrews that I want you to be mindful of. The first phrase is made perfect. In this context, to make someone perfect is to help him or her become and do what God intended for them. The second phrase is make holy. This phrase also can be translated as sanctify. It is everything God does to make us more like Jesus. Sanctification makes us more like God designed us to be. At the same time, it makes us more like God. Let's get started. Read with me now from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all, and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. First, he said, Sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, Here I am, I have come to do your will. He set aside the first to establish the second, and by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the blood, through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again he offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, This is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And when these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Now let's spend some time meditating on the Word and answering some questions together. The Trinity is seen working for our salvation in these verses. Hebrews 10, 1-10 outlines God the Father's will for our salvation and sanctification through Jesus' sacrifice. Hebrews 10, 11-14 shows us how God the Son made the final sacrifice that makes us holy. 
Hebrews 10:15 through 18 then describes God the Spirit's work in changing our heart and reprogramming our minds. Let's dive into those questions now. The first question I want us to look at is this. Describe a time in your life when you needed to pray the prayer, not my will, but yours be done. For me, that time was when I was in high school. I began to feel a call to ministry then, um, and it was not a call that I wanted to accept. I had other plans and other desires, which involved me having a farm and ranching and doing my own thing and not having much to do uh, with being a pastor. Um, I had grown up in the church, uh, and I had no desire in my heart to be a pastor. And so when I started feeling God's call in my life to go into ministry, at the time it was missions, um, and since then it has changed over into youth ministry, and um, it is still an ever-growing and changing call. But at the time, it was very hard for me to accept that call. It took me many, many years, um, and it wasn't until 2007 while I was at Nazarene Youth conference, um, listening to one of the speakers proclaim a message of letting go and letting God, that I begin to pray this prayer, not my will, but yours be done. And in doing so, I got to the point where I was able to let go of my own will and allow God's call in my life to take root. And the crazy and cool and beautiful and wonderful thing is that God took all those dreams and all those ambitions and talents that I had for my own will, and he then crafted them and poured them into his will for my life. And it has been a beautiful and wonderful thing ever since. The next question I want us to look at is this. When you surrender your will to God, how did it help you become more at peace with your situation? So I remember those days in which I was running from the will of God, running from my call. And they were very stressful days. Um, They were not days of peace. They were days of anguish, um, days in which I would decide, no, I'm going to do what I want to do. Um, or I would make up excuses as to why I couldn't answer that call. Um, But then I would always feel guilty and always feel um, not shame, but feel like I was rejecting God or pushing God away. Um, And so they were very difficult times, um, especially in my relationship with God. The amazing thing is that once I started praying that prayer, not my will, but yours be done, that there was just this this peace that entered into my life. I wasn't really sure where God was going to lead me in my call. Um, I knew I did not want to be a pastor. Um, And the funny thing is, God may lead me yet to be a pastor someday. Um, But... 
there was a peace in following God, even though I didn't know where I was going to end up or what I was going to be doing. Um, I enrolled at SNU and declared myself as a mission major and have been trusting myself to God's will ever since. It's not always easy, but there is definitely a peace that comes from trusting in God rather than fighting and scheming and trying to come up with a pathway for my own will and my own desires. The next question I want us to look at is this. How does our cultural our culture view perfection? And this one is important in light of um, the key phrase that I told us to listen for earlier in the introduction. Our culture defines the view of or our culture has a view of perfection that is very much one of flawlessness. Um, in order to be perfect, you have to be flawless, um, not making mistakes, um, not letting people down. Um, and perfection is this thing that even though our culture demands it and um, seeks it out, we recognize that it is ultimately something that you know, we have to constantly be striving for in order to reach this level of perfection. We, we see it most often uh, described and laid out in car commercials as they talk about the art of perfection and how they've been working to achieve it for years and years and years and how it has come together in this beautiful car that now we should then buy because it's perfect. Um, it's flawless. Um, and that can be a very hard and difficult view for us as we begin to apply it to our lives and to our faith. Because we know that we ourselves are not perfect. We know we make mistakes. We know we have flaws. We know we lose our temper. We know we judge each other. We know that um, we hold grudges and we're not always full of forgiveness and grace. And we know that there are people in our lives who are very difficult for us to love and get along with. And we'd sooner rather not get along with them. And so when we talk about the idea of perfection, when it comes to our faith and our relationship with God in those terms of flawlessness, we, we say, oh, that is impossible and it can be a very discouraging thing. But when we take on what Scripture is saying, when we take on this, this idea that perfection, being made perfect, is in doing the will of our Father, not necessarily in being flawless, but in doing the will of our Father, doing what we were created to do, it becomes this whole new relationship in which, yes, yes, I can be made perfect. And yes, I can be made holy then, which is the act of being sanctified, which is the act of being made ever more in the image of Christ, um, which is kind of our idea of what perfection means. Um, but it, it starts out with, I am made to do the will of God. And this is his calling in my life, and I can do that. 
Um, and he is creating this spirit in me, this life in me, um, that is every day being made more and more in the image of Christ and is better equipping me every single day to do his will and to be made perfect and to be made holy. And it takes it from, oh, I've got to be perfect and I've got to be holy and puts it in the realm of, I am living into this relationship with God and he is creating life in me and he is making me holy and he is making me perfect to do his will. And it is a totally different realm than the view that our world describes and though our world says that we must have. So thanks be to God for that. Let me sum it up now before we close with prayer. Jesus set the standard for submitting to God's will. One part of the mystery of the Incarnation is that Jesus had freedom of choice, just like we do today. He was God, so he was in agreement with God's plan. At the same time, he was a human being, with a free will that he needed to surrender to God's purpose. Jesus learned to be obedient to his parents. Luke 2:51. Then in the Garden of Gethsemane, he surrendered his will to the fathers. Luke 22, verse 42. Paul tells us in Philippians 2:8 that Jesus became obedient to death, even death on a cross. The author of Hebrews sums up Jesus' Jesus's submissive attitude with the words, "Here I am. I have come to do your will." Jesus' sacrifice on the cross makes us perfect, while it makes us holy. As we follow in his footsteps, we learn to submit our will to God's will. As we do this, we will discover the peace that comes when we surrender to God's will. So this week, I want you to demonstrate and show God's love to someone. In each situation you face this week, silently say, Here I am, Lord. I have come to do your will. Let's pray this very simple prayer together that is found in the passage that we read today. Here I am. I have come to do your will. Amen. You guys have a great week. Know that you are loved. Go in God's grace and in his peace.